This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Inshallah, we'll be reading from verse number 11 of Surah Al-Fatih. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. سيقول لك المخلفون من الأعراب شغلتنا أموالنا وأهلنا فاستغفر لنا يقولون بألسنتهم ما ليس في قلوبهم قل فمن يملك لكم من الله شيئا إن أراد بكم ضرا أو أراد بكم نفعا بل كان الله بما تعملون خبيرا بل ظننتم أن لن ينقلب الرسول والمؤمنون إلى أهليهم أبدا وزين ذلك في قلوبكم وظننتم ظن السوء وكنتم قوما بورا ومن لم يؤمن بالله ورسوله فإنا اعتدنا للكافرين سعيرا ولله ملك السماوات والارض يغفر لمن يشاء ويعذب من يشاء وكان الله غفورا رحيما سيقول المخلفون اذا انطلقتم الى مغانم لتاخذوها ذرونا نتبعكم يريدون ان يبدلوا كلام الله قل لن تتبعونا كذلكم قال الله من قبل فسيقولون بل تحسدوننا بل كانوا لا يفقهون الا قليلا قل للمخلفين من الأعراب ستدعون إلى قوم أولي بأس شديد تقاتلونهم أو يسلمون فإن تطيعوا يؤتكم الله أجرا حسنا وإن تتولوا كما توليتم من قبل يعذبكم عذابا أليما ليس على الأعمى حرج ولا على الأعرج حرج ولا على المريض حرج ومن يطع الله ورسوله يدخله جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار ومن يتول يعذبه عذابا أليما بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. We thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى. We praise Him for everything He's granted us. We ask Allah to send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, his entire household, all his companions. May Allah bless them all and grant us all goodness and ease. My beloved mothers and sisters, in verse number eleven, Allah سبحانه وتعالى is speaking about those from amongst the Bedouins who remained behind from. The, from participating with the Prophet ﷺ. And this generally happened when people did not participate in the battles or the wars or the uh, events that were necessary for them to participate in. They always presented excuses. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سَيَقُولُ لَكَ الْمُخَلَّفُونَ This is a prophecy, this is something that Allah is informing regarding the future, regarding the unseen, regarding the knowledge of something that is yet to happen. And it definitely did happen. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they will come to you and they will tell you the following. They will tell you certain things. They will present various excuses to you and you need to be aware of these excuses. So Allah says, those who remain behind uh, of the Bedouins will say to you, our properties and our families occupied us. So ask forgiveness for us. So the excuse is, our properties, our businesses and our homes, our families have occupied us from obeying your instruction. So therefore ask forgiveness for us. They say with their tongues what is not within their hearts. Say to them, then who could prevent Allah at all if He intended for you harm or intended for you benefit? Rather, ever is Allah of what you do aware. Which means Allah is aware of what you do all the time. So in this verse we learn a few lessons. One is never let the obligation that Allah has placed on your shoulders be overridden or overrun by other excuses that are not valid. A person cannot say, oh, you know, I had a shop to run, so that's why I don't read Jumu'ah and I don't read Eid and I don't read Salah because uh, while I go to work, there's no time to read Salah. That's not good enough. When you die, your work will mean nothing. No one's going to ask you about your job. But Allah is going to ask you what you did to fulfill the obligations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you need to make the time. And this is why in some Western countries, they ban the Muslims from reading Salah completely. And it happens even in uh, countries that may not be Western, so to speak, where you're not allowed. That's it. You can't. You have to sit here and you're not allowed to go anywhere. Now, I'm sure you can get, uh, if where there is a will, there is a way. There has to be. You can read your Salah while making an excuse of having gone to the bathroom. Two minutes. If we can do that for lunch, why can't we do it for Salah? You can read your salah if they ban you doing that. You can actually read it sitting where you are, behind your desk. Subhanallah. Because the hadith says if you cannot read standing, you read sitting. And if you cannot read sitting, you read lying down. So this is not only connected to inability in terms of sickness or physical uh, you know, inability. But it's also got to do with when you are unable. Because the hadith does not speak of physical sickness. It just says, Read standing. If you cannot, then sitting. So sometimes you're on an aircraft or you might be on a vehicle, in a car, on a bus. If you really cannot get off and you cannot stop the bus, you don't say, Oh, you know what? Uh, I can't read my salah because I was on the bus and the bus driver didn't stop. Big deal. Read on your seat, wherever you are, how you are. If you don't have access to water, you make tayammum on that same bus. So you need to know these rulings, but there's no excuse to have left out your salah. Not at all. Never, ever, ever. Not at all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May He grant us ease. Like I said, even if you're in a motor vehicle stuck in traffic in certain countries and you cannot get off the motorway because it's illegal, you read salah on your seat, where you are, how you are. This is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. It's clear. And there is no one that can actually change that. Because you have no excuse. You have an answer for Allah to say, Oh Allah, I couldn't read it standing, so I read sitting. I couldn't get off the bus to read it on the ground as is the ideal way of doing things. So I did it in a non-ideal way, but I did it. 
That's an excuse. But if you say, oh, you know what, uh, the bus driver didn't stop, so I forgot about you. And I thought about it, but then I just said, okay, you know, it's fine, one of those things. May Allah forgive us. Really, the way we look at instruction, Islamic instruction has become secondary in a lot of our lives. Many instructions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, may He strengthen us. The same applies to dress code, the same applies to so many other things. And the same applies to the way we actually add innovation in our acts of worship and justify it. And when someone does not participate in the same innovation, we call them names. And yet, it's nothing farad, it's nothing compulsory. That which is compulsory, we do not normally debate. You know, no, no one's ever said there's six salah a day. No one's ever changed the timings of the salah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and guide us. So these are some of the excuses that those people presented and we've drawn a lesson for our own lives from those excuses. So Allah says, look, if Allah wants to punish you, destroy you, nobody can stop that. And if Allah wants goodness to come in your direction, nobody can stop that. So develop your link with Allah. He is in control. He is in charge as much as those who lack faith may believe otherwise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but you thought that the messenger and the believers would never return to their families ever. And that was made pleasing in your hearts and you assumed an assumption of evil and became a people ruined. So Allah is telling, exposing the hypocrites uh, who did not participate uh, in the battle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when the mu'mineen were leaving, they did not leave purposely because the hypocrites thought these believers are too few in number. They're going to go and they're never ever going to return. So let's just stay behind so we will be the winners. Now that was very foolish because Allah is now exposing them to say, the reason why you did not participate is not actually because of your properties or your families, but the reason why you did not participate is because you felt the believers were never ever going to come back. You had a bad thought and now you're coming and presenting excuses. Now to be honest, to a certain degree, yes, there is uh, preference and priority that is given to certain obligations and in Islam we have to prioritize for example if you have sickly parents elderly parents uh, or you have a, a family member that you are in authority over you are the guardian of who happens to be sickly and they need you desperately uh, for a valid excuse then uh, you would be excused from perhaps participating in something uh, such as the battle that is being spoken about in these verses the same would apply uh, your wife is about to deliver and you are the one who's going to be taking her to the hospital and you happen to tell her, do you know what, uh, I'm going for salah and I'll, I'll come back. Uh, and you know the salah is one hour away, the masjid, and you know that you've got to drive back another hour and by the time you come back, she'll probably have a little child. May Allah forgive us. If that's the case, it's, it's lame. It's a lame excuse. You, you can remain behind and you can read your salah at home because Allah knows why. And Allah knows and you know that you're not lying, you're not cheating, you're not deceiving. But it's something valid. So uh, these verses are very important for us to learn prioritization and also to learn that when a person is hypocritical, perhaps Allah may expose them. May Allah not expose us. May Allah never ever make us from amongst the hypocrites. So the, Allah says, subhanAllah, that look, these people, they had felt that the believers would never return to their families. And this is what was made pleasing uh, in their hearts, they assumed assumptions that were evil, and as a result, they became a, pe a ruined people. They became known as hypocrites. Allah says, and whoever has not believed in Allah and His Messenger, then indeed we have prepared for the disbelievers a blaze, a blaze. Now people say, oh, how can you doom the disbelievers into hellfire? 
The truth is, it's between them and Allah. If Allah says He's done, He's going to do something for someone He's created, well, He's the boss, He's the owner, He's the creator. He made you and He does whatever He wishes to you and to me. And this is why if Allah has promised you that He's going to give you heaven, He will give you heaven. And if Allah has promised you that He will forgive you, He will forgive you. And if Allah has given you a warning, then those warnings are from Allah. He is the owner of warnings. It's not us who give warnings. So I cannot say a certain person in particular is going to hellfire, but I could say those who do evil in all their lives and those who don't want to worship their maker, they have been given a warning by the same maker. So it's between them and their maker. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from hellfire. And at the same time, what we do need to know is all the other scriptures have similar beliefs. The Christians believe that anyone who doesn't accept Jesus as their personal savior is going to hellfire doomed forever without any hope of ever coming out. Why don't people pick on the Christians? That's a very, very barbaric belief. If according to those who say that the Muslims who say that those who don't believe will be going to hellfire are barbaric. The same applies to the, to the Jewish people. They also believe that anyone who's not Jewish, is, there's got no chance, no chance to get to heaven. Absolutely no, nothing. And the same applies to others, people of other faiths. They all have similar beliefs. In fact, the mu'mineen are the only ones who will tell you that if you've believed in Allah and Allah alone, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah will never forgive association of partnership with him. But besides that, he will forgive whatever he wishes. So if someone is not associated partnership with Allah at all in worship, then Allah knows what he's going to do with him. Allah may decide to forgive him, may not, may decide not to forgive him. But this is all up to Allah. It's not up to us to get involved in these debates which are fruitless because the warnings are never going to change. This is heavenly scripture. It's not my statement and it's not yours. But at the same time, it is there. So read it, understand it, digest it and, you know, perhaps convey it to others that this is what Allah says. But you don't actually specify to a specific person. Look at them and say, you know what? Hell. You're going to hell. Can you see the fire? You're going there. Imagine how dooming that would be. May Allah forgive us. We actually do this sometimes. I know of people who actually do it, where they think they're the only ones going to heaven, and that's it, you know. Everyone else is doomed. Yet, others, like the hadith says of the Prophet ﷺ, people will be doing evil deeds for 70 years, and last minute they do something good, and they turn to Allah, and Allah forgives them, and they earn paradise. And the opposite is true, where people do good deeds for 70 years, and last minute everything is wasted because of how they've ended their lives. So, the test depends on how you've... Uh, fared when you ended. So if a person's written all wrong answers for the, for the three hours of the examination and the, in the last hour of the exam they went and erased all the wrong answers and they wrote the correct answers, uh, do you say, well, you started off wrong so you failed the exam? No. The fact that you've written the correct answers towards the end makes you pass. And no matter how correct you were at the beginning, if you had to erase those answers that were correct and replace them with answers that were wrong, that's it. You fail your exam. So it's logic, it's common sense. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to write the correct answers and to live by the correct answers. So Allah says, And to Allah belongs the dominion, the kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He forgives whomsoever He wills and He punishes whomsoever He wills. And ever is Allah forgiving and merciful.
Subhanallah. Look at how broad a smile it would bring onto our faces after we've heard verses that have doomed those who do bad. Allah says, but we are forgiving. We are most forgiving, most merciful. We own everything. The heavens and the earth is our ownership completely. And remember, Allah is most forgiving. He forgives whomsoever He wills. And from this verse, Allah is telling us He is the judge. He is the owner of the day of judgment. Not you, not me, not anyone else. No person. Allah has not appointed anyone to be the owner of the day of judgment besides himself. Maliki yawmiddin. Owner of the day of judgment. He is the king. The one who owns the judging. He knows in the heart. This is why sometimes we, we judge people based on something we might have seen. Not realizing the reasons why they may have done what they did. And the circumstances that have made them do what they've done. And we're busy judging and passing judgment and ruling. Not realizing it's ruining our own reputation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says He is most forgiving. Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. Those who remain behind will say to you when you uh, set out toward the war booty to take it, let us follow you. What this means is, when you've won the war and there is booty or there is some form of gain, they will come to you and say, oh yeah, we're with you, we're with you. This is the habit of a lot of people. When they see goodness, they're quickly with those who, who are there. But a few moments ago, they were against them. They were, they were speaking evil about them. But now that they see goodness, oh yes, yes, you know what? That's it, you're the boss. We're with you. So when they see goodness, they say we're with you. When they see something otherwise, they, they run away. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they wish to change the word of Allah. Say, never will you follow us. Thus did Allah say before. So they will say, rather you envy us. But in fact, they were not understanding except a little. These verses are definitely quite clear in explaining that when people want to after they have harmed the messenger and so on, and this is at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, those who came up later on and they hadn't participated in the battle, and after the Mu'minin had won, these people who did not participate and they were meant to participate, they want to come and share the spoils of war. The Quran says, "Don't allow them to do that. Tell them you didn't come in the first place, so you stay away." No matter what they say, even if they say, oh, now you envy us and you are this and, and this is wrong and this is bad and whatever, ignore them, leave them. Allah knows and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware. They don't understand except little. They don't have an understanding. So then some of the people started saying, you know what, uh, perhaps we will be from amongst those, you know, uh, who will fight again in the future sometime uh, later on. We might participate. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 16, Say to those who remain behind of the Bedouins, You will be called to face a people of greater military might. You may fight them or they will submit. So if you obey, Allah will give you a good reward. But if you turn away, as you turned away before, He will punish you with a painful punishment. The verse is quite clear in meaning. But the lesson we derive from this is whenever you failed once, Allah gives you another chance to prove yourself. So if you failed once and you did something wrong once, Allah creates a similar situation the second time for you to now come up with the correct answer of your examination question. I hope we understand the lesson. 
So sometimes say for example we have a wedding and we did it totally wrong. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us another opportunity, someone else in our families or someone whom we've got an authority over so that we can do it the right way around inshallah the next time. And, and, and we can repent for the mistakes we've made in the past and that would be forgiving alhamdulillah. But now the next time do it right. Do it correctly. You know, people have done it correctly. Come on, why can't we? And this is just a simple, straightforward example. But there are so many uh, things that happen day to day, lives, where once you do something wrong, and the next time Allah presents the opportunity in order to see what you do. Do you do it right? If you don't, well, you failed twice. So why did you promise Allah, no, now we won't fail again? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Sometimes even second, third, fourth time, Allah creates a fifth opportunity, a sixth one. And it's important for the last one to be the one that's correct. But you don't know which is the last one. So let the next one be the one which is correct. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. And may He grant us the ability to make amends. May He grant us the ability to rectify what bad we might have done in the past. So Allah says, there is not upon the blind or, the, or, or any guilt. If someone was blind, no guilt. They have a valid excuse for not participating in the battle. Not upon the lame, any guilt. Not upon the ill, any guilt for remaining behind. Whosoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, He will admit him to gardens beneath which rivers flow. But whosoever turns away, He will punish him with a painful punishment. So in this verse, Allah is telling us that, look, there are people who have excuses. Here, excuse from participating in the battle. But we have people who cannot read salah standing, they're allowed to sit. But if you can't read standing and you're sitting, thinking, you know what, this couch is comfy. It's not good enough. You're lying down in bed, fajr. Oh, we heard the sheikh yesterday saying, you know what, you're allowed to read st- uh, lying down if you can't sit and stand. So anyway, you know, the fajr, I, you know, it's a bit tight. Let me just say, Allahu Akbar, while I'm lying down in my bed. Not good enough. But if you cannot get up, and you really cannot read your salah sitting, then you are allowed to lie down and read it. Ask those on hospital beds who cannot move. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never do that to us. May He grant cure to those who are sick and ill. But the truth is, Allah is so, so merciful that He has created different ways of obeying His instruction and He has excused people who cannot do it, who have a valid excuse. Look what He says. This is now the battle. Allah says, those who are blind, they've got a good enough excuse. Those who are lame, they've got a good enough excuse. Those who are ill, good enough excuse. They don't need to participate. Whoever, whosoever obeys Allah and His Messenger, Allah says He will grant them Jannah, gardens. Beneath which rivers will flow. So my mothers and sisters, like we said, one is the meaning of the verse and where it applied and the context and so on. And the other is its application in our own lives and how we can derive lessons from it. So like I said moments ago, if we have to obey Allah's instruction and to be honest, we are so fortunate. Our lives are, are, are quite decent by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But... We turn away from Allah in a lot of matters without even thinking. We turn away from Allah. And Allah says, you don't have an excuse. We've given you everything. Look at the others across the globe who've got nothing. Look at those who are struggling. Look at those who have suffered disaster upon disaster. Look at those in war situations. Where are we? The maximum that happens to us is the power goes and the water goes every day. Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah for that. That's, that's actually minor. I know you must be grumbling, growling, thinking it's not minor. My cakes, my cakes flopped because of the electricity. Big deal. 
we'll have flopped cakes, inshallah. That might become a delicacy. It might become something people like. Flopped cakes, alhamdulillah. May Allah forgive us. I see no one was amused by that. <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, Certainly, Certainly was Allah pleased with the believers when they pledged allegiance to you, O Muhammad sallallahu under the tree. And he knew what was in their hearts. And he sent down tranquility upon them and rewarded them with an imminent conquest. Now this verse, I did not actually read it at the beginning of the, uh, uh, the session where I recited a few verses. I think we had a disturbance of the microphone, but alhamdulillah we sorted it out. Uh, Allah says, this is connected to the pledge. Which pledge? You see, when the mu'mineen marched to Mecca in order to fulfill Umrah, uh, and this was in the sixth year of Hijrah, and the Prophet ﷺ had taken all his men who wanted to fulfill the Umrah uh, without any weaponry. And as they arrived in Hudaybiyah, they sent Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anh into Mecca in order to try and convince the people of Mecca to allow the mu'mineen in only to fulfill the Umrah, uh, you know, the, uh, the lesser pilgrimage and to leave Mecca. But uh, when Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu went to speak to some of the cronies and the heads of Mecca, they refused, but a rumor had spread to the believers who had camped outside Mecca in a place known as Hudaybiyah that they had murdered Uthman ibn Affan. And from that time to this day, an ambassador is not to be harmed. He's only a messenger. Imagine uh, a postman comes to you with a letter uh, telling you that the business deal that you had struck is now off. And you catch the postman and you start beating him up. That's foolish. But some of us do that. Do you know that? We start swearing them, shouting them. Not the postman as in Zim post. No. But we're talking of people who give you the message. You start telling them things. But they're only giving you the message. Come on. It's not their fault. They, had they not given you the message, you wouldn't even have known. So you don't harm the messenger, known as the ambassador. So when they heard this, the Prophet ﷺ gathered the believers and spoke to them and he asked them to pledge that they would sacrifice their lives if need be in order to defend the life of one and in order to ensure that they get justice and they all pledged allegiance yet they didn't really have weaponry they were just going to fight fight up to what to death for what in order to defend in order to stand up for justice defend the killing of one man but luckily it was a rumor. It was a rumor that happened to separate the milk from the water, subhanallah. So this is why Allah just tested them. Will you pledge? They pledged. But they didn't have to sacrifice their lives because it turned out to be untrue. But the fact that they pledged, Allah loved it so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it clear to say, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allah is announcing that He has become pleased with those when they pledged allegiance with you or to you under the tree. That tree is known as a shajara. Shajara, the main tree. Ash-shajara, the alif and lam is depicting the fact that we know which tree is being spoken about. Alif and lam. Ash-shajara. The particular tree, the tree. So Allah says, Allah is announcing that Allah became pleased with them. Subhanallah. 
Because Allah knew what was in their hearts. So that is why instead of them becoming uh, turbulent and losing contentment, they became more content once they pledged because they were truthful in their pledge. So Allah says, Allah knew what was in their hearts. Allah sent tranquility upon them. And gave them good news of a conquest to come soon, which means they will achieve victory very soon. If this is your attitude and this is your zeal and this is your uh, bravery and this is the way you're going to be doing things, then definitely there will be victory very soon. Yet a few verses earlier, Allah is speaking of the hearts of those who are hypocrites. And Allah says, they gave you excuses. Remember we spoke about it a few minutes ago, where the hypocrites gave excuses about their, their businesses and their families. And Allah says, we knew what was in their hearts. And this is the, 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 the contrast where Allah says, the believers pledged allegiance and we know what was in their hearts. We knew what was in their hearts. So we, we replaced any form of fear they may have had with tranquility and peace. Steadfastness. They were ready and they were so happy. They were delighted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us steadfastness. May He grant us a calmness in our hearts. When you fulfill the instruction of Allah in order to please Allah, He gives you contentment, calmness. And when you disobey Allah in order to achieve contentment, the same contentment is snatched away for a simple reason. The reason is because the owner of contentment has been transgressed against. You know, sometimes people are so upset by the way others laugh at them when they dress as a mu'min or a mu'mina, as a believing male or female. Well then, if you did it for them and, and to wait for them to scoff or to laugh or to appreciate, then you did it for the wrong reason. But if you did it for Allah, no matter what they do or say, it's irrelevant. Allah will grant you contentment. Nothing. You need more than that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us happiness. So when you are trying to achieve contentment by pleasing people against the commands of Allah, you won't achieve contentment. And when you are trying to achieve contentment and as a result, people laugh at you, scoff and try and harm you, you will still be so content even though, you know, according to others, you, they wouldn't understand how you've achieved this contentment and you're always smiling and you always have a positive attitude. The reason is you have a link with the owner of that contentment who is Allah. So the moral of what we are saying just now is develop your link with Allah and know that your link with Allah is what matters primarily and it's, it is the main issue that actually matters, your link with Allah. The rest of it is by the way. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to have link with other people, alhamdulillah, if that is beneficial for you, so be it. Sometimes we are desperate to have friends. Sometimes there is a certain person that we really want to get close to in terms of friendship and Allah keeps you at a distance solely because He knows it's harmful for you. It's detrimental for your well-being and your link with Allah. So Allah keeps you away. Don't be depressed. Not at all. Thank Allah. He kept you away for a reason. So Allah says... Over and above the imminent conquest, much of the spoils which they will take have been promised to you. And ever is Allah exalted in might and wise. So yes, those people usurped your wealth, they took your property, they actually drove you out of Mecca. One day you will go back, you will get back all that. And whatever they have earned in terms of business will all come back to you as merchandise that was deserved by you. And people might say, well, that's, that's uh, unfair. It's not unfair. If someone stole my money, say a thousand dollars, 
and they did business with it and I'm getting the opportunity of getting that money back. What's so bad about that? What is so bad about it? If someone stole your land and one day a hundred years down the line you get it back, that is in fact justice. That is exactly what justice is. So don't think it's how can you say you're getting the land back from them and you're getting booties and you're getting, for example, spoils of war. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to get back what is rightfully ours whenever it has been taken away from us. So Allah says, Allah has promised you much booty, much spoils of war that you will take in the future. This is speaking of the victory of Mecca that came later on and has hastened for you this victory and withheld the hands of the people from you that it may be a sign for the believers and that he may guide you to the straight path. So what happened? These people had come, they were in Hudaybiyah, they were ready to go to war and Allah safeguarded them by keeping the hands of the mushriks away from the mu'mineen. So the, the, the people of Mecca who were heavily armed did not harm the mu'min and the believers. So Allah says that's a victory. The fact that you struck a deal with them here in Hudaybiyah is actually a victory. It's going to result in a lot of goodness. And over and above that, there's going to be another victory very, very soon that you're going to get. And that was the victory of Mecca, which they achieved and they got. And this is why some of the companions of Muhammad ﷺ who were uh, a little bit baffled by the fact that this was called a victory. They asked a question, is this victory? Is this a victory? When we have actually not even achieved anything, we're going back without even having fulfilled our Umrah or our pilgrimage. And we've been driven back to Mecca, to Medina. We couldn't even enter Mecca. And we're going without any form of uh, goodness in our hands. The Prophet ﷺ told him, definitely this is a victory. And that's when the surah of the victory was revealed. Or the beginning of it at least. Indeed, we have granted you a clear victory. You have been victorious. A lot of the times Allah gives us victory and we don't even know, hey, you have the upper hand, you are victorious. This is why sometimes when you think negative things have happened, for as long as the pleasure of Allah is involved, it cannot be negative. We just think it's negative. It's actually something positive. Something that, has, that will bring you, draw you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that perhaps it will be an opening for the guidance to the straight path. And it was an opening to the guidance or the guidance to the straight path of so many people. Because then there was peace for a few years and messages were sent across the globe to various leaders. And so many accepted Islam. Even those who didn't accept Islam, at least they knew what was right and what was wrong. They knew of the message of Islam and the messenger. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and He promises other victories that you were so far unable to realize which Allah has already encompassed. You know the victory of Constantinople was already predicted by Rasulullah Turkey, the Byzantine Empire, everything dropped to Islam and the Muslims. And Turkey was the seat of the Islamic government for a long, long time. But this wasn't the case at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but he had already informed his companions that very soon Turkey will be under the Muslims. And today when you say Turkey, that's it. It's halal Turkey, mashallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if those Meccans who disbelieve had fought you, they would have turned their backs in flight. 
then they would not find a protector or a helper. Had they fought you, even you, without any form of proper weaponry or so on. At that juncture, Allah says, if they had fought you, we know the future. And when Allah's knowledge encompasses all the aspects of of knowledge, you need to know that He knows that which happened, that which is happening, that which will happen, and that which will not happen. Had it happened, how it would have happened is also in the knowledge of Allah. So if... You know, I can give you a typical example. And obviously, you know, we think up these little things on, you know, off the cuff, so don't think I planned it, okay? So say, for example, you desperately wanted to marry someone, and you didn't, and you ended up marrying someone else. And then, mashallah, you had your kids, and life carried on. Allah knows what your life would have been like had you married the other person, and had you gone ahead, and He can actually show that to you completely if He wills one day. Subhanallah, that look, if this had happened, this is where you'd have ended up. So we, as a point of blessing and as a point of goodness to you, we actually gave you something far better for you. But you didn't realize. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us and guide us. I've given you just a simple example, but there are so many other examples. I can give you an example of business. Some people who desperately want to open a certain type of a business and it doesn't happen. Something else happens for them. And so when that happens, Allah knows the past, the present, the future. And Allah knows what is not going to happen in the future. If it had happened, how it would have happened. And let me quickly give you an evidence of that. We read Surah Al-Kahf often, I hope. And in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah speaks of uh, the boat that was actually, uh, you know, damaged by Al-Khidr in the presence of the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. And uh, he says... The, the, when Musa alayhi salam asked Al-Khidr why he did it, Al-Khidr says, you know, upstream or downstream, uh, there was uh, an unjust king or a guy who was usurping or taking away all the boats that were uh, perfect. So I created a defect here in order for that boat to be saved. So what this means is that the boat was never ever going to be taken. But had it gone downstream, it was never going to be taken because that's taqdeer. Obviously Allah's written, this boat is not going. But the way it wasn't going to go was that someone was going to drill a hole in it. Someone was going to create a defect in it so that the people who saw it saw that it had a defect and left it. But it was never going to go anyway. Had it not had the hole, it would have gone. Do you know what that means? That means Allah knows the future. Something that was never going to happen. If it had happened, what would have happened as a result? There you are. And the same applies to the other two examples that are given in the same surah, which I'm not going to go through now. Perhaps you can read it later on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Had they fought you, they would have turned their backs in flight. Then they would not have had a protector or a helper. Allah says, this is the established way of Allah that has occurred before. Never will you find in the way of Allah any change. Allah has a certain system in place. He has a way and it's happened in the past and it continues to happen. You obey Allah's instruction, His help comes in your direction. You turn away from Allah, He's served a warning. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So Allah says, And it is He who withheld their hands from you and your hands from them. Within the area of Mecca, after he caused you to overcome them. And ever is Allah of what you do seeing, which means Allah watches everything. He knows absolutely everything you do. Allah knows it. So Allah is the one who prevented the great war from happening. 
And this is why sometimes people want to harm you. But Allah protects you from their harm. And sometimes you intend to harm people. And Allah protects them from your harm. And sometimes we want to achieve things. And Allah doesn't want it to happen the way we want it. He has a bigger plan, a better plan. And always that better plan, even though it might seem to be a loss in terms of worldly life, it can only be a gain in terms of the hereafter if we surrender to the decree of Allah. But I want to mention one very important point before I close for today. And that is never blame predestiny for your failure. So for example, you want to open a business and you just sit and you pray all day. You get up for tahajjud, oh Allah, help me. Oh Allah, help me. And then nothing happens because you didn't get off your backside. Astaghfirullah. You didn't work. You didn't go and do something about it. You just made a dua, dua every day, oh Allah, help me. Well, why don't you sit around the table when lunchtime comes today and make dua, oh Allah, help the food to get into my mouth. And then see what happens on that. Allah tells you, I gave you the power. I gave you the hands. I gave you everything. And here it was, right in front of you. Why didn't you just pick up the morsel and put it in your mouth? That's all you had to do. The same applies to us. Sometimes we want to get married. And I'm giving you this example again. And we're sitting making dua, Allah, get me married to this person, to this person, and so on, or whatever. And there's nothing wrong in making a dua. In fact, you have to, you should. But what have you done about it? Have you spoken? Have you opened your mouth? No. Have you tried hard? No. Have you gone out to convince people? No. Well, then you'd rather be the same person who sits around the lunch table and says, Oh Allah, help the chicken from getting into my mouth. Lemon and herb, I hope. Allahu Akbar. My mothers and sisters, that's not fair enough. You need, you want to do something, ask yourself, what, what has Allah given me in terms of ability? Yes, oh Allah, help me to achieve this. Then use the ability given by Allah to try and achieve it. And this is why the most successful people are those who work hard, very hard. They work morning to evening and mashallah they achieve. Or should I word it another way? Those who have achieved, go and ask them how they've achieved. Nine times out of ten they'll tell you we work very, very hard. Look at the top business people for example in our society and community. They get up for fajr. And at the same time they go straight to their businesses. Six o'clock they're there. The workers only come in at seven. I hope that doesn't happen forever because there must come a time when you get to work at nine o'clock because you need time for your spouse as well. Mashallah. You know, the sisters must be so upset to say, you're encouraging our husbands to leave us at 6 a.m. Don't worry. Once he's earned a little bit, then we encourage him to change it to 7, then to 8, then to 9. And inshallah, 60 years, he can retire, inshallah. Be with you all the time. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. I always say, what's the point of working so hard your entire life, 6 to 6, and you haven't spent time with your family, your children, and you're a multimillionaire? What's the point? What's the point? At some stage, you have to sort of, you know, say, okay, right, let's cut down the hours 9 to 3, then I'll come back. Or sometimes you just go to work, for example, 11, and for example, at 1 o'clock, you're back. MashaAllah, that might happen, but this is at a later stage. I'm not encouraging or discouraging. All I'm saying is, you know what you need in your life. Use the energy to achieve, but don't become Greedy, greedy to the stage or to the degree that you lack prioritization. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to prioritize. So the point that I was raising, and that was the last point that I chose to raise for today, and that is, don't blame predestiny or destiny for your failure. No. If you had a role to play and you didn't, you are squarely to blame. Allah will hold you responsible. Because if we want to blame predestiny, none of us will read salah, none of us will do anything, we all engage in sin. And we say, it was my taqdeer. Have you heard that statement? 
It was taqdeer, it was my, my destiny, what can I do? It was written before I was born, 500 years before I was born, Allah wrote it. Huh. You need one smack, that's what you need. Allah forgive us. We made an effort, that's why we are seated here today. I made an effort, that's why I've come here. You know, at the beginning, the microphone was making a sound. What did I do? I didn't want to cut the recitation, so it was irritating me as well, and it was irritating every one of you. You must have been saying, are we going to sit the whole way with this irritating sound? I know what happened in your minds. Because it happened in my mind, not because I'm prophesizing things, no. But I, we weren't foolish. We stopped, we paused, we took a few minutes. And don't worry, I paused the recording as well, so they won't hear what happened, but now they know. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, really. You have to do something about it. You can't just say, oh, it was destiny. No. Allah gave you the capacity, the energy. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Say something, do something in order to achieve. And this is from the hadith. Ihris ala ma yanfa'uk. And I've mentioned this so many times. Work hard to achieve what you think is beneficial for you. Then leave the rest in the hands of Allah. That is destiny. That is predestiny. If Allah has written something for you, no matter how hard you work, and if, if, if that is not written for you, it won't happen. If it's written for you, it will happen. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't work and say, well, if it's written, it's going to come. Because then it was written that you were not going to work, and that's why it wasn't going to come. Tricky topic, but it's quite simple to understand if you look at it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all. May He grant us ease. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.